This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 146 with Shauna Kaminsky. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 146. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. I'm so excited to have Shauna back to the show. Shauna has been a fitness professional in the fitness industry for over 30 years. She has a bachelor's of kinesiology and a bachelor of education and too many certifications to count. She's a teacher at heart, having taught 20 years as a school teacher in addition to her years in the fitness industry. She's a number one best-selling author of Lose Your Menopause Belly, available on Amazon. She's owned small group training studios, multiple fitness boot camps, and she helps thousands of online fitness clients worldwide with her fitness and coaching programs. She's appeared on national television as a fitness expert. She's authored articles in numerous publications and created curriculum for international fitness businesses. Shauna is in her early 50s, although you would never guess it if you saw her six pack. She has two children who are I believe in their 20s or rapidly approaching their 20s who are definitely following in their mother's footsteps in many ways. And she has a one-eyed rescue dog named Sven. And if you follow her on social media, you get to see all the antics of the dog, which is pretty hilarious. Shauna is back on the show today for the second time to talk about her new book, Lose Your Menopause Belly, and give us the lowdown on the truths and myths about aging, menopause, metabolism, and how you can love yourself at every stage of the game. Listen in to hear from Shauna about whether or not you can cure menopause, about lifestyle hacks to change and manage menopause symptoms, why you need to know about your cortisol, your human growth hormone, and your insulin. We'll explain what all that means. The truth about menopause and belly fat, why you need to incorporate metabolic resistance training into your fitness routine, 
why sleep and stress management are just as important as the nutrition and exercise components of your routines and habits as you age, and why small steps to change your lifestyle are better than giant leaps. So let's dive in with Shauna Kaminsky. Shauna Kaminsky, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy, or welcome back, I should say, to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy that you're joining us for the second time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I think I have a rule now because this has happened twice. My only two guests who have come to the podcast more than one time have come back because they've written a book. So now the precedence has been set. If you want to come back a second time, you have to write a book. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to get on it. I'm going to be your third time. Nice. Nice. So tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since we last did your interview. It's been almost a year, I think, since I interviewed, probably nine months or so since your last interview. So tell us what you've been doing and what you're most excited about right now. I think I'm most excited about the book that I did write. It's called Lose Your Menopause Belly. And on another podcast, I was asked, well, why did you write that book? And actually, I didn't think about it. It kind of just came out. And I think it's because I was a teacher. I was a teacher for 20 years. And so I'm a big reader and I'm a big advocate of reading. And a lot of my clients, you know, they're 40, 50, 60. I have some clients in their 70s. And I feel like, you know, a lot of my older clients were more readers than onlineers. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Like a lot of the younger generation will just Google anything. But a lot of like my demographic likes to read a book. So I thought, you know what, if I want to get good information into their hands, I need to write a book. And so that was one of the reasons that I wanted to write a book and being a former educator, like I said, I'm a big advocate of reading before bed because of the many health issues of blue light and sleep quality and all that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I always tell my clients, go to bed with a book I got to give him a book. (laughs) Nice. There you go. I love it. Now I feel like I need to go write a book. (laughs) Oh, no pressure. I know. (laughs) I know. I love that because you are someone who I've always known to be such a great server. You're always serving your people with a lot of heart and a ton of energy. And so I love that you looked at, you have a clientele locally who you work with who consumes information with you in person and they consume information through your newsletters. But I love that you are also thinking of how are different demographics utilizing information and consuming information. And I totally agree with you that there are a lot of people that would rather have a book than go to a blog or to watch a YouTube video. And that's something I think that when you are in the business of creating information for other people, you have to really be aware of that and be aware of how can you get your message into the right hand. So I think that's so smart that you thought about that and put that together. As a former teacher, you know that some people are more auditory learners, Mm -hmm. some are more tactile, like how do people learn best? And so that's exactly it. Nice. Okay. So let's dive into some of this menopause, aging, like all of it. And I've actually, in reading through the book, I was excited because it was about more than, so the titles lose your menopause belly. And I know that because as, and we, I can say this because I'm in fitness as well, that this is what people come to us for. They come to us and they're like, I just want to lose my belly fat, but it's really about so many more things than that, that they often can't even put into words themselves, but it's really about feeling good, feeling comfortable in your own skin, feeling strong and powerful and having more energy. So when you thought about putting together all this information, were you thinking specifically about people's like external appearances or were you thinking on a broader and deeper level? 
Well, I agree totally with you, Sarah, because being in the industry for quite some time, it is so much more than aesthetics. But the thing is, is you give the people what they want because people think they want to lose their belly, which they absolutely do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you provide so much more. So the book is called Lose Your Menopause Belly, but it's really about gaining so much more, gaining your life back, you know, feeling confident. So that's hard to put in a title. Right. Lose Your Menopause Belly, I feel, is a kind of a catchy title because a lot of women, 40, 50, 60, they're like, oh, wait, okay, that's me. But if I said gain your life back, well, what does that mean? Right. But you've experienced women that have men that have had, you know, body transformations and it transcends so much more than the physical. Yes. Yes. I totally agree with that. And I think that's why both of us probably feel similarly that that is why transformation is so probably our favorite part of the work that we do. Absolutely. Uh, because it yes. is so much more than what's at face value. Yeah. And it's so rewarding to have someone, you know, what they come to you with wanting to lose, have a number on a scale and whether they reach that number or not, you know, exactly that number more or less, they've found so many wins and exciting things happening in their life that they never anticipated. Right, right. I love that you just mentioned the scale because I'm curious, what is your experience when people hit a quote unquote goal weight? So let's say someone has a goal to lose 15 pounds and they lose that 50 pounds and they see it on the scale. What is the feedback that you get when people hit those milestones? Well, what's surprising is that a lot of times they'll get to the point that they don't even care what the scale says because along the way to hitting that milestone, they've had so many other aha moments and wins that the scale loses its power. Totally. And, And if I had any say, you know, I would like to just take all the magical powers away from that scale. I, you know, <laughs> it is a tool. And I've recently did a Facebook live on, you know, the bathroom scale friend or foe. And if you're using it for the right reasons and it's not pummeling your self-esteem right. and you're using it in a healthy habits and measuring what you're doing, is this working, but in a healthy way, it can be very useful, but it can be just such an enemy. Yes. So it's like anything else that can be fantastic or absolutely like derails people. Right, right. I love that you said it. people start to get other benefits aside from weight loss as they go through transformation and it takes the power away from the scale because I think that's so true. And I've had people show up for final assessments when they've done transformation programs with me at my gym and they'll be like, I don't even care. Like we don't even need to get on the scale because right. I've already had like 40 other wins related to other things that it doesn't even matter, matter if this anymore. says, yeah, like the difference between, you know, 13 pounds and 15 pounds is like no big deal. But when you're first starting out, you're like so hung up on those numbers and you place so much value in those numbers and you can't see beyond the numbers. And so I love it when people can see the bigger picture. Past that. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Yeah, exactly. We're on the same page for there for (laughs) sure. So hopefully we've inspired some people to either get rid of their scales or neutralize the data. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, this is like data collection. It's not anything more than that. This is not a personal attack. When you see that number, it's also not like, and you also, I think, have to be careful to not make it huge cause for celebration. Like you keep it super neutral, then it can't own you. So you can't be too excited or too defeated. Right. That's very wise words. I love that. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. 
The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So tell us about some misconceptions about aging that you have come across in your work, in your fitness business, and also in your research about menopause and women in aging. Well, I think one of the first misconceptions is that we need to cure menopause, that we absolutely have to obliterate it. We need to cure it. Whereas, you know, Vinny hasn't been there yet and you have this to look forward to. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. We can't cure puberty, right? It's just a stage of life. It's Maybe by the time Vinny's there, though, we can cure it. <laughs> You're still holding out hope. Yeah. I love that kid. I just love your post. He's got so much personality. Oh, he's fine. But, but the fact is, is that it's just like the scale. Let's neutralize it. You know, there are right. some good things about it. There are some bad things about it. But it's just all in the way we handle it. And so the thing is, is that there are some nasty menopause symptoms that we can take care of. We can do a lot through lifestyle modification, but we can't cure it. We just have to endure it. And so that's probably one of the first things is that there is no cure because there's no disease. It's just a natural state. And the next thing is that we will just automatically gain weight, lose our sex drive, walk around in Crocs and elasticized waist pants. <laughs> it doesn't have oh to be that God. way. Okay. So I'm not going to order my Crocs yet then. <laughs> no, not in every color either. No matching to the elasticized waist pants. So I love all of those things because I come from a family of women and menopause was a physical challenge for many of my female relatives. Well, I mean, obviously they're only my female relatives experience <laughs> right. menopause, but, but menopause was a challenge. And 
when my mom and my aunts were going through menopause, they all did hormone replacement because that's what people did. I guess this would have been like 30 years ago. And they all had side effects from that. And a lot of weight gain, it was like, I just assumed like when you hit menopause, you gain 50 pounds. That's just how it works. And now I'm learning as I get closer to that at almost 42, I'm learning that that's not the case at all. And there's actually a lot of different ways to manage it. So go ahead and talk a little bit more about the truth behind that misconception about your body just falling apart and you have to go out and buy your Crocs in your last right. pants. Well, you know, I don't like to address hormone replacement therapy or anything like that because I feel like that's not something I should be having on mass. I don't mm-hmm. know people personally. And so what I like to talk about is lifestyle hacks right. because there's so much you can do to manage your own hormones through nutrition. And when I say hormones, people think, Oh, estrogen, progesterone. It's like, Okay, we can't really manage those so much, but there's cortisol and insulin and GHG, human growth hormone. Like there's some things that we can do to manage those hormones through lifestyle that can actually help us to gain weight and lose weight. And so those are the hormones that we can manipulate favorably while we can't do much to you know, unless we're doing hormone replacement therapy, which comes with its own Pandora's box of issues. There's so many lifestyle things that we can do through nutrition, stress management, sleep management, exercise to manage other hormones that will help us to manage our menopause symptoms. Let's go ahead and dive into some of these things because I totally agree with you. And I think that sometimes we don't give enough credit to well, I'll say it two different ways. I think we don't give enough credit to some of the natural things that we can do with our habits. And I also think sometimes we don't take enough radical responsibility to try these things and be consistent with them. Absolutely. And so I think that people are like, oh, well, I'm going to be paleo for a week and see what happens. And when you don't lose seven pounds in the first week of being paleo, you're like, well, that obviously didn't work. So you try to take like some sort of quick fix and make that your thing that you're going to do. And if it doesn't work immediately or it's too hard to stick with, then you let it go and you claim it didn't work. Yeah, so, and that's, like, well, that didn't work. That didn't right. work. Nothing works. And that's harsh. That's a big judgment to pass on, you know, to say that a lot of people do this. But I also think there's a point where you have to take radical responsibility and say, like, I am going to try this for like three months. I am going yes. to see what happens when I exercise four days a week. And for three months, I'm going to see what happens when I am careful and conscientious about sugar. So talk a little bit about some of the nutrition and exercise concepts that you think are most beneficial. Well, that's exactly it. And, you know, the thing is, is that our grandparents and our parents, you know, they weren't that far off when they said to eat your vegetables, go to bed before midnight, (laughs) exercise. It's like, damn, my mom was right. (laughs) Everybody's looking for, well, one of these days we'll get that said about us too. I know. I know. So just hang in there, Sarah. But everybody's looking for the magic bullet and there is none. Right. And it is solid nutrition. The best diet you can go on, well, first of all, is no diet. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole dieting is killing our metabolisms. It's the yo-yo dieting is like, it actually is killing our metabolisms because our bodies are so magical about getting more efficient so that the less calories that we give it, it gets more efficient on surviving with less calories. And so then we gain weight eating what would be normal. And so first of all, we need to stop dieting and we need to start eating in 
just a wholesome and, you know, just whole foods, stop the processed foods, stop the chemicals and the aspartame and the diet, you know, all that kind of stuff. We need to simplify things and we need to get close to our hunger and find out why are we eating? Are we hungry, angry, lonely, tired, stressed? Are we eating for any of those reasons? The only reason we should be eating is because we're hungry, not for any other reason. But there's so many other reasons why we're eating. Oh, it's a social event. I must eat. We're celebrating. I must eat. I'm depressed. I must eat. Mm -hmm. So we need to find out why we're eating, get close to our hunger and listen to our bodies because our body will tell us when we're hungry. Okay, we need to eat. And then we need to fuel it with vegetables, lean proteins, fruits, grains in moderation. Not everybody is celiac or needs to be gluten-free. We can all benefit from less gluten in processed foods, but we don't necessarily have to go gluten-free. You know, you have to listen to your own bodies. And so if we kind of try and simplify it that way, listen to our appetite, that helps us to, you know, there's lots of tips and tricks on, am I really hungry? Am I really full? You know, it takes 20 minutes for your belly to tell your brain that you're full. So there's some tips and tricks on how to eat so that you don't overeat constantly. I think that we're trained to not, I think a lot of this stems from motherhood, from early years in motherhood, because I definitely had this. I think that you like override your fullness signals because early on when you have little kids, you have like 30 seconds to eat. And so you eat as fast as you can and you don't know when you're going to eat again. Cause when you have like a newborn baby, like you might only be able to eat. Yeah. Like I remember like eating spinach and almonds out of a bowl in the shower crying one day and being like, this is the <laughs> only time I have to eat. And we had like no food in the house. And so it, was the eat, time to buy it was the most depressing meal of my life. <laughs> most memorable. Very memorable. But I remember thinking like, I don't know when I'm going to eat again and this is all I have. So this is just has to be it. Go. But I also had experiences yeah. when Vinny was really little. It happened to me twice, one time in front of Vince, that I was eating so fast because, I, again, I thought like, oh my gosh, I have like 30 seconds before this baby needs me again, that I threw up. Oh, <laughs> like, man. I didn't chew enough for it to get down and it just came right back up. And it was such a wake up call. The, second, the first time I was like, I don't know what that was. But then the second time I was like, like oh, oh my gosh, I think I'm doing something wrong when I eat. So I think that we learn early on in motherhood to really override our body's signals. And then you have to retrain that. I've actually been focusing a lot on this lately myself is really noticing when you're full, not just shoveling all the food in until the plate is empty because you need to get to like getting the bath started and getting the lunches made and those kinds of things. Absolutely. Um, So how do you recommend like monitoring fullness and hunger? Well, I mean, part of it is just mindfulness and awareness part of it is just creating that awareness and creating boundaries for self-care because women especially 40s 50s you know even 60s you know we're often the sandwich generation where we're caring for our children or nieces and nephews you know we're caring for the younger generation lots of us are caring for older parents And so there's no time for me. So creating a little sliver of time, just creating those boundaries that, you know, for self-care. Lots of times I'll talk to clients that won't have had lunch and I'll have said, well, did you make your children lunch? Well, yes. Oh, I didn't make myself one. So (laughs) 
How many times does that happen? You would never send your child to school without lunch. Or if you're caring for elderly parents, would you leave them all day without feeding them? Or like if they're living with you without providing food for them? But so many women won't pack a lunch. They'll run out of the house without breakfast. So first of all, creating the space in their life for self-care, which is like even just feeding yourself. <laughs> Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But this is our life. Yeah, totally. And so, I think about that with breakfast, especially like you just grab something on your way out the door and the quality of it doesn't matter. Or at Starbucks on the way to work where you're like, oh, I'll just get that scone with my coffee and call it good. Right. And so, you know, if you can clean that up right away, you can make massive strides right. in, you know, quality of your energy and, you know, your skin, like so many other things as well, in addition to weight loss. Right. So creating that awareness for self-care and then things like knowing, you know, so just prepping, being prepared. One client said, I had a fantastic week because I did, I planned out what I wanted to eat this week and it sounds daunting and I wasn't married to fish on Tuesday and chicken on Wednesday, but just knowing, like just putting it on a calendar. There was something you know, there. Yeah. So that I could go buy groceries. So I had options. So you don't come home from work and be famished and find your hand in a cracker box and hitting the bottom. And it's like, oh man, I ate this whole box of crackers trying to figure out what to eat for dinner. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll just make Katie for the kids and, or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. So just some meal prep. Because if you're not preparing to win, you're planning to, what is it? Planning to- If you don't plan to, if you to fail to plan, plan then you plan, plan to, to fail. fail. Exactly. I'm glad we got that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so just spending a bit of time just planning what I'm going to eat so that you can load your fridge up. Right. Well, and I love that you said like, it can be a loose plan. Like maybe it's fish on Tuesday, chicken on Wednesday. And then like you get to Tuesday and you're like, no, like I I can't or whatever. But just having something there. I love that in addition to just that you have something that will serve you in terms of nutrition. I love that also it frees up mental space. One of the, my worst parts of the day, I hate dinner time and I'm bitter that like, I feel like dinner time is always the mother's responsibility. Right. And so I'm sure there's households that are more progressive than mine where that's not the case. And it my husband not. always is like, I'll totally do dinner. But I'm like, no, no, I can't. No. <laughs> so so yeah. I choose to make it my burden, but then I'm bitter about it being my burden. And I know how it feels to have that planned in advance and to not have it planned in advance. And I get very annoyed when, when it's, it's like, yeah, like at 4.45 and I'm going to pick up Vinny and I'm like, as I'm walking yeah. home with him thinking, what am I going to make? What am I going to make? What am I going to make? And he's just like, I want a snack. I want a snack. So I'm thinking like, he's going to eat a snack while I spend 45 minutes deciding what I'm going to make. Yeah. And then he's not even going to be hungry because yeah, <laughs> so it's like a, I just blow yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So just that preparation <laughs> makes a huge huge difference. And then just having some general ideas of what should I be eating? Because sadly, there is such conflicting news out or, you know, information out there in the media. And a lot of it is just clever marketing. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of cutting through the mess of marketing to discover what really should I be eating and, you know, wholesome, close to the ground, you know, like five ingredient, if it's processed food, you know, maybe five things on the label. So it's actually not as complicated as one would think to eat 
I want to say it's common sense, but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. so common sense, but it's not rocket science either. It's a lot more simple than people think. Exactly. Yeah. I think the big thing too is that, that a lot of people think I need to go on a diet. I need to start exercising. I need to go on a budget. I can't drink so much. Oh, no more sugar. And you know, so they take on this massive, massive um, to-do list mm-hmm. that by Wednesday they're ordering pizza and beer because- I don't know if that would be their choice, but you know what I mean? It's like they just can't. Or do pizza it. and red wine. That would yeah, be mine. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, or for the family, whatever. And so the fact is, is that make one small change. One of my favorite success stories is my client, Diane, who is close to 60, who just decided she needed to make a change. She stopped putting cream and sugar in her coffee. And she has lost over 50 pounds. Oh my gosh. Now, it's because that change was small, it was doable, it was top of mind. She did that for a week or two. Then she changed the brand of her yogurt to include less sugar and more protein. So these were small, simple, doable changes that she just, you know, kind of tightened the screw every week. So she never felt deprived. Right. She never felt overwhelmed. But a lot of people don't want that because it's like, well, that how fast can I make a change then? I can't lose 25 pounds this month doing that. But you can't lose 25 pounds a month anyway and keep it off. So make these small doable changes where you're not even suffering. And over time, like in this last year, she has lost over 50 pounds. She's a completely transformed woman. She started two businesses. She is like the best version of herself. I love that. And I think that a lot of it is looking at what your starting point is and not worrying about what we take on so much because we're comparing our starting point to someone else's finishing point. Finishing or midpoint. Right. And I actually had a client a couple of years ago who came in to do one of my programs and she was someone who ate out every single meal. And a lot of the other people in the program were like, oh, I just want to eat more vegetables or I want to eat more protein or whatever. Her goal was like, I want to prepare three meals for myself this week. She'll still be eating out all the other meals, but it was just like, I'm going to make myself three meals. That was a huge, huge step for her. That was a huge leap. So yeah, I mean, we joked through the whole thing where she was like, now how do I boil water? And how does one make an egg? And I mean, it was like, we had so much fun with it, but she really proved a lot to herself. And it was, if she had looked at what the people next to her were doing, she would have felt so defeated, but she was just like, I have to play my own game and this is what it's going to be. And that was, it was really amazing to watch her own that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Let's talk a little bit about the exercise piece. Does exercise need to shift as you get older and what kind of exercise do you recommend as we age as like the best for anti-aging exercise, let's say? Right. Well, I think the go-to for most women and especially women over 40 is to just get on the treadmill or just do cardio. And so that is while if cardio takes you to your happy place and that's your purpose for doing it, do cardio, you know, till your heart's content. And when I say cardio, I'm talking low intensity, you know, plodding type jogging, long, low intensity, slow, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And so that if you want your body to change, we need to change the form of exercise you're doing. And you don't need to go buy a gym membership. You don't need to go buy, you know, all kinds of bells and whistles and equipment and heavy weights of any sort. But metabolic resistance training is what you need to do. And the reason we need to do this is because most women think that at the age of 40, they magically will just start to gain weight. So I'm just going to give you a quick little rundown of why the number is not the reason we gain weight and how we can 
combat this with exercise. So what typically happens as we age is that our body composition changes. So if we're lucky enough to be the same weight when we're 40 as when we were 20, most people would probably have a higher body composition of body fat instead of muscle because we tend to become increasingly more sedentary. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the average person. I mean, when you look at women, if we've had our children, you know, in our 30s, by the time we're getting 40s and 50s, our children are getting older, we're not chasing as much, you know, we might have moved up the corporate ladder, so we might not be you know, we might be at a desk more. We might be, right. we're just typically more sedentary. And so we are losing muscle tone. And so our muscle tone is what puts sexy in our genes. It stokes the metabolic flame. And so that muscle is metabolically active. And so, you know, as we age, it's not the number that makes us gain weight. It's our body composition that's gaining weight. So we need to do everything in our power to maintain the lean muscle tone that we have and to possibly add to it. And notice I've said muscle tone because as soon as I say muscle mass, then women back off and say, oh, no, no, I can't do that because I don't want to get big and bulky, which mm -hmm. as you know, they never will. But adding lean muscle tone increases our metabolism. And so doing cardio doesn't do much to add lean muscle tone. Right. And so metabolic resistance training can just be body weight training. You know, drop down and do 10 push-ups, the average person, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. Right. And so our body weight can add plenty of resistance to add that lean muscle tone. Can you explain, when you say metabolic resistance training, are you talking about combining so that your strength training become and your cardio kind of meet together? Yeah. Explain yeah. what that means because I know that's not a familiar term to all right. of our listeners. Yeah. And so that's exactly it. So instead of just going and sitting and pedaling on a bike or plodding on a treadmill and watching friends for half an hour and then going and doing a little bit of weight training where you might do a leg extension and then rest for two minutes and then do a hamstring curl and then rest, what you do is, and you don't even have to be doing this in a gym, you'll do a strength move and then pair that with a cardio burst right. so that you are working your muscular system mm -hmm. at the same time as you're working your cardiovascular system. Right. So what that does is several things. First of all, it compresses your workout so that you can have a super effective workout in 15 to 20 minutes. Yes, <laughs> which right? is exactly what we want. <laughs> yes, because you know lack of time is the number one reason people can't exercise. And so we compress our workout into a shorter amount of time. And that workout you know, increases our metabolism. So it's called EPOC, excess post-oxygen consumption, mm -hmm. where you are not just burning calories during your workout, your metabolism is elevated and studies show up to 36 hours after your workout when you're doing things properly. So the thing with cardio, you know, the low intensity cardio is you are burning calories while you're exercising at a low rate. But once you step off the treadmill, the increased calorie burning ends. Right. And so with the metabolic resistance training where you do a bit of strength and a bit of cardio burst. Once you're done, you're still hot and sweaty in the shower. You're still burning calories all through the day from that short burst of exercise. Right. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. It's more efficient and effective, which is so right. nice. So like you said, if you love to like go walking, you know, I talk about restorative movement and leisure walking and yoga and things like that. So if that's part of your goal, if part of your goal is having like that mental space and mental yes. refresh and restoration that that provides, then do that kind of exercise. But if you're looking to make your exercise very relevant to your goal and your goal is weight loss, then you really want to be looking at, and yes. your goal is weight loss and also managing hormones the best possible because also the other piece of metabolic resistance training is that it will have positive impact on cortisol, human growth hormone, and insulin. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. That's right. Because that EPOC or afterburn does, it helps to increase your growth hormone. Right. Right. Well, what it is, is that if you have an increase in lactic acid, you know, that burn in your muscles Mm -hmm. through exercise, burn as in a good, you know, muscle (laughs) burn, not like, oh, I've blown my knee or my shoulder. (laughs) Right, none of that. The good pain, that lactic acid is a precursor to human growth hormone and human growth hormone declines as we age. And so if we can kind of even just bump that up minimally, that's going to help to alleviate you know that muscle wasting and there's just so many benefits to it and so yes that exercise does help to balance all your hormones and the other thing is that the body produces cortisol when it's under stress and if you're doing long like long drawn out even if it's jogging for an Mm -hmm. hour or exercise for a long period of time in your well-meaning effort to do your body good, your body is like, oh man, I'm under stress. And so it releases cortisol and cortisol packs on belly fat. So I have clients that will be exercising for like an hour or two a day and they might be getting leaner elsewhere and they just have this belly fat. It's like, you got to stop exercising so long because you're elevating cortisol levels. I see this with women who 
embrace distance running as they get older. And I think that it's great to have a goal. And I think it's great to do bucket list items. And if you love running, like by all means do it. But when I see women who are like, I'm going to, you know, run seven half marathons this year or three marathons or whatever. So like year round, you're doing this training, which involves very consistent long bouts of running. I see these women struggling with their weight in the long term and their weight going up over time, even though they're exercising just more and more and more. And when I was doing triathlons in my early thirties, gets to be this point of Point of, yes, diminished returns. I couldn't think of yes. the rest of that. So this point of diminished returns, which was stressful to me because I thought, oh my gosh, and especially as a triathlete, like the lighter you are, the easier it is. And I thought, oh my gosh, how many more hours a day do I need to work out to, to get lighter? Place. Yes. And it was very overwhelming. And it was interesting years later through the mastermind Shauna and I used to be in together, actually, I met Christian right. um, and yeah. he was a pro triathlete. And he talked about his whole way that he trained people with triathlon training was to have them do shorter workouts and do all of their for training for Ironman races, which for women take like 12 to 16 hours. Right. And his whole protocol was to have them do use shorter workouts to accomplish longer distance races, which was just mind boggling, but so necessary to really see women. And especially he worked with a lot of women as they were getting into that like 40 and 50 age range and yeah. still competing. And to see that you can do less and perform better as you get older right. is like so amazing. Yeah. Really, really yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, and it's really hard to get women out of the mindset. It's just like, just do 20 minutes. Okay. Stop. Like right. to stop because they're married to you know, and panic that I'm not doing enough. Right. But they need to trust the process that yes, you're doing enough. Right. And then give it some time. Time. So don't just give it a week. week. Like try it for three months. (laughs) Yes. And then pair that with sensible, healthy eating and, you know, some stress. Like there are some other tips that need to be addressed. Uh, Yeah. I want to talk, go ahead and finish your thought. And then I want to dive into sleep. Yeah. There's some very simple hacks that over time make a huge difference, but it's the consistent application of them. So you're talking sleep. You want to mention sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. I think that the big thing is that, you know, part of it is that we are very stressed. We are, you know, burning the candle at both ends and we don't set ourselves up well for sleep surprising number of my clients will have like my private coaching clients will say, Oh yeah, I usually fall asleep in front of the TV and then I get up and then I can't sleep. I'm like, okay, you know, there's a simple hack to change that. (laughs) And it's just that people don't think about it. And then when you explain your sleep habits to someone, you can kind of like twist them a little bit. It's like, Oh man, I'm resting so much better. First of all, exercise improves sleep quality, reducing your computer, TV, iPhone, iPad use prior to sleep increases sleep quality. Increasing magnesium increases sleep quality. Some foods, you know, decrease sleep quality. So it's a matter of, okay, I had a bad night's sleep. What did I eat? It's connecting the dots. Sometimes Mm -hmm. red wine or alcohol before bed. Some people are so caffeine sensitive that even a cup of coffee or tea at noon will affect them. So sometimes just getting aware of the triggers and connecting the dots. Women are so used to caring for other people that they don't even think about these things. And then when you bring them to their awareness, it's like, oh man, oh, okay. And then it's a simple pack. I can do that. And then sleep is so much better. 
Now, there will be some sleep disturbances with night sweats, but even you can reduce your hot flashes through nutrition. And so when you have hot flashes and you connect the dots between what you're doing that brings on a hot flash, you can connect those dots so that you reduce the severity of those so that even those can be reduced to increase sleep quality. What kind of nutrition hacks, because I've actually heard this in a few places recently, what kinds of nutrition hacks can impact hot flashes? Spicy food, alcohol, it's actually quite a personal thing. I was actually just following someone else on Facebook. She's not in the fitness industry, but she was talking about her own personal experience and that she stopped drinking. She said like once yes, a week, alcohol. like maybe once a week, I'll have a half a glass of wine, but no more than that. And then she's like, I don't have any hot flashes anymore. And I was curious yes. if that was like super common or if this is just an individual thing. I noticed for sure with me, I'm not menopausal yet, but the difference between one glass of red wine and two glasses of red wine is like the difference between a good night's sleep and and, not. and being awake from two to 5 a.m. Yep. <laughs> so it's a big yeah. difference. Yeah. And so things like, yeah, alcohol makes a big difference. And so does caffeine. Some people are yeah. super sensitive. Increasing tryptophan, like to raise serotonin levels, like turkey, eggs, cheese, salmon, nuts, and seeds, that can help to increase sleep and you know reduce those hot flashes and reducing stress can also decrease hot flashes as well like just stress management can help nice. so it's just a lot of self like awareness and the more you become aware of your own health stress reduction you know nutrition and just small habits like turning off your phone or leaving your phone in the bathroom so you're not tempted to lay in bed and look at instagram or do one last post or, you know, because that blue light affects your REM sleep. And even if you have reduced hours of sleep, but if you have increased quality mm -hmm. through, you know, REM, that's that deeper level rapid eye movement sleep where you're right. dreaming and you have better sleep quality, you're going to be coping with life so much better. Yes. Yes. It makes a big difference. And I think that we get very conditioned to, again, this starts, I think, when our kids are really little we get conditioned to being exhausted all the time and we don't know that we're exhausted anymore. So we don't even realize, like yeah. we start thinking like, oh, I'm good. Like if I get five to six hours of sleep, I'm good. And we don't recognize that like, actually, if you spent three months trying to increase your sleep to seven hours a night, you would feel totally different. Exactly. So just because you can get by and you are functional, that doesn't mean you're mm. optimal. Yes. And, and weight loss, like it sounds ridiculous to say you can lose weight by sleeping, but you absolutely yes. can. Yeah, because of what it, again, back to the stress hormones. Exactly. And, you know, the belly fat, because when you're consistently not rested, those cortisol levels go up. Even if you say, well, I don't feel stressed, you might not consciously be stressed, but your body is in a stressed feeling, like elevated hormones right. as if it was stressed. And right. so you can actually sleep yourself thin or, you know, to a leaner, right. better feeling well, body. I think it's the sleep and also the restoration that happens with sleep. And also if you're doing other restorative activities that help with like mental and physical decompression. And yes. so things like meditation or leisure walking yes. or, you know, journaling or reading self-improvement, whatever it is right. for you, but just things that are like, instead of compressing and like making you just more tightly wound, things that are decompressing you mentally, physically, spiritually, I think are so significant. 
So this has been so helpful, Shauna, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Are there any last words of wisdom you want to give to our listeners and our moms who are approaching menopause or maybe starting to feel some of these symptoms and wanting to take some preventative steps? Well, I think the big thing is that there's hope. Don't give in to stereotypes and just make small changes. Like notice what you're noticing, like be aware and have a little self-care. And it's just small things. It's not like monumental things that you have to do. They're small, tiny little tweaks. If you give yourself the time to, you know, notice it, give yourself a little self-care and you don't have to fall into the stereotype of, you know, the Crocs and the elasticized waistband. <laughs> right. That's going to be our visual. I'll see if I can find a photo for this yes, episode. I want that. <laughs> well, Shauna, yeah. I appreciate you coming back and spending time with us in the Shameless Mom Academy a second time. I'm going to have a link here. I know you have a special link for our listeners to access your book. So if people want to go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 146, everything will be over there for you to access to reach out to Shauna, to connect with her, to find her on social media, and then to access the book as well. Good. Um, and then when you write your next book, you come back again. All right. <laughs> so yes. get on that. <laughs> and I'm excited for your new book coming up too. <laughs> Mutual pressure. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Sarah. And I really love what you're doing to help women. So it's great to tag team. Oh, yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with Shauna and I in the Shameless Mom Academy today. Remember, all links and access to Shauna's book, Lose Your Menopause Belly, will be found over in the show notes. So go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 146, and you can get access to the book and any other links that we mentioned in this episode. If this is your first time listening to the show, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So please do go over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, where you can subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. That link will take you right into our iTunes library where you can subscribe with the little subscribe button. You can also leave a review while you're there. So please do leave us a review. That is how our show gets its ratings and then is able to reach more listeners and we are able to help more mamas just like you become a little bit more shameless every day. I appreciate you spending time with me today. I hope you learned something. I know I did for sure. I'm feeling less hesitant about approaching menopause now. So I hope that you're feeling the same and I hope you have a fantastic day. Make sure you come back in a few days for our next episode. And until then, no matter what you do, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.